The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the hosts and guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of New York Presbyterian Hospital or Columbia University Irving Medical Center. You're listening to Taking It to Heart with the Columbia Valve Team, a podcast where we discuss the advancements in treatments for patients with structural heart and valve disease. All right, welcome everybody to the next edition of Taking It to Heart. We have uh, the honor and pleasure of welcoming two of my very, very close friends today. Uh, Dr. Tamim Nazif, who uh, is the head of our clinical research department here for all of cardiology at Columbia and a nationwide expert in cerebral protection and conduction disturbance after TAVR. And on the other side, we have Dr. Professor Gilbert Ting from Mount Sinai uh, Hospital, um, who is the the head of surgical um, structural interventions there and is a expert um, operator in everything transcatheter. Um, we have a, a great topic today. We're gonna to be talking about new technology, new technology from the two largest structural heart companies, um, Edwards and Medtronic. It's like the Cold War of, of old. Um, and thankfully, both Dr. Nazif and uh, Dr. Tang, who I'm gonna now call Tamim and Gilbert, uh, as I usually do, um, we'll be kind of talking about each of these respective um, new products that, that have come out uh, and are going to be available for us to use. Um, and that specifically is the, the Edwards Sapien X4 and the Medtronic Evolute FX. Um, <clears throat> so first, guys, so uh, thank you for being here. Does, um, does anyone know how each of them got the name? Silence. Look at that. No one knows how the valves that they're using in trial and are representing from a company standpoint. Got we, are, we are implanters, not marketers. So we have to uh, <laughs> ask the spokesperson from Edwards Medtronic to tell you. Maybe okay. maybe over beer. To me, we went from Sapien 1, then XT, then Sapien 3, Sapien Ultra, and now X4. Yeah, you know, I think I think it's clear it's a fourth generation, but it is a little bit of a departure, certainly a bigger departure uh, going um, to the X4 than it was from Sapien 3 to Ultra. Ultra basically added an enhanced skirt against paravalvular regurgitation, um, but didn't really change in other major ways from the original Sapien 3, whereas I think the X4 really is a new sort of um, quantum advance, and I think the X4... Um, demarcates really, you know, it's fourth generation, but it's also a little something different than, than the plain Sapien. So I think that's why it's, it's not just Sapien 4, but rather X4. So can you, can you go through specifically what's, what's new? Sure. You know, I think as we look at the technologies broadly, you know, both platforms, the balloon expandable and self-expanding have really, I think, um, reached a phase of stabilization, right? As we moved through the first couple of generations, there was really incredibly rapid iteration, major, major foundational changes in the platform that led to, you know, big changes in even acute outcomes, you know, major vascular complications moving down from 15 to 10 to 5% as we moved from, you know, the original 24 to 18 to, you know, 14 sheaths. Um, you know, big changes like that, that even acutely made it made a large difference. Now that technology has sort of 
I think, reached a level of maturity um, where we're looking more subtle differences, right? You're not going to see giant um, changes in, in early outcomes when we've already reached, for example, you know, 1% um, mortality or stroke at 30 days, right? It's already so good that the changes I think we'll see now will be a little bit more um, subtle, more aimed at long-term. And I think that's why this concept of lifetime management has become so critical in this area, right? The the name of the game now is really looking at what can be done to these valves so that we can really confidently treat younger, lower risk patients and how these changes can, can um, I think, impact a patient, not in the first 30 days, but on the five to 10 year horizon. Okay. So again, specifically, I guess we'll get back to some of these features. Um, maybe we can start with Gilbert, um, you know, in terms of, of FX. So when, yeah, no, I agree with Camille. I mean, Taver is a very mature technology now. The procedure is very reproducible. So really what you're trying to do is further improve that to get the consistency, even from experienced to inexperienced implanters. And I think both uh, SAPNX4 and FX will likely accomplish that. And with specifically with FX, what you see are three differences actually in improvements over the Pro Plus. So number one is that rather than two spines, which limits the trackability of the system. There's only has one spine. So it's more flexible and the push force is actually less. So it's, in, it's more like a butter advancing into the femoral artery to track all the way uh, into the, to the analyst, even in potentially challenging and tortuous anatomy. The second aspect is the ability when you release the valve, you really get what you see. You know, before with the Pro Plus or even Pro, that you know, when you release the valve, they always pivot a little bit, you know, sometimes deeper one side or higher than the other. With the FX system, the way the, they design the spine and the delivery system, when you are at the implant that you like and you proceed to release the valve, you really pretty much get what you, what you are asking for. So I think that's a welcoming change because that's always been a potential challenge among inexperienced implanters to say, well, you know, now you get deeper than you think and then you know, or higher than you think you were about risk of uh, migration or, or, or pacemaker. Then the final thing is the depth marker, uh, the free thoughts that aligns with the commissures not only allow you to optimize the visualization of the depth, because when you do an aortogram, it's really hard to see sometimes. I mean, you've been there, either the patient is obese or sometimes the angle is very steep or you can't give a lot of contrast, but the thoughts really allow you to help you to better define the depth. So when you release, again, you get what you want, but also now, Everyone's talking about coming show alignment and uh, Tamim, I'm sure we'll talk about that with X4 in terms of lifetime management. So with that, it's also easier to visualize with the FX because in the cusp overlap view, the thought will be on the right side of the screen like the C tab. And so you know whether you get good alignment or not. So I think from the, in, for the interventionists out there who maybe not do a tower, but maybe need to do a PCI after tower, this allows to tell them, hey, this is roughly where these commissures are. So you're not going to keep hitting blindly uh, on, on the frame to try to get access. Yeah, great. Um, and to me, do you want to go through X4 with the, uh, uh, Yeah, absolutely. So I think I could speak to some of the specific advances with X4. You know, it's a, remains a cobalt chromium balloon expandable platform with bovine pericardial uh, leaflets, but there are some significant changes with the frame and the leaflets in this new generation. Uh, the frame is now allowing for um, adjustable or personalized sizing. 
uh, on an on-label fashion. So frequently when we're using Sapien 3, we would add or subtract volume to the syringe to try to sort of guess at and to get somewhat close to the patient's true annular size. Here we can, based on detailed imaging with the pre-procedural CTA, um, see what a patient's actual annular size is and deploy the, the valve at a specific size that matches that individual. And the frame and leaflets are now designed such that they will have good hemodynamics and durability at any of those sizes in half millimeter increments, all the way down from you know, 21 and a half, all the way um, uh, up to 30 on the, on the high side. So the real full range of annular sizes. There are also new um, uh, technologies in the leaflet itself. It's now the resilia tissue, which is the same uh, tissue that's been featured on the Edwards surgical valves. It has enhanced you know, anti-calcification, uh, treatments and so forth that may also contribute to durability. Um, it has an enhanced skirt that's now entirely external to the frame, um, whereas before it was both internal and external, it's now all external. So hopefully, um, you know, maybe even beyond uh, what we see with Ultra, which is already potentially best in class for PVL. And then the final uh, thing that we're really excited about is, is that it's now essentially a valve on a stick in the annulus. Um, that you can literally rotate. Uh, there are markers, there's an asymmetric marker that allows us in a good three cusp view to, um, to very easily in an intuitive fashion, line it up the, the new valve with the uh, native commissures and coronary arteries. This may have probably um, advantages in patients in the future PCI, but maybe even with respect to hemodynamics in terms of uh, preserving the, the native orientation and sinus and washout and so forth. So some really exciting changes, I think. So tell me, you both have implanted both of these valves. Um, um, have you seen any difference from the clinical outcomes that you've seen in the patients that you've done? Obviously, just grossly, you know, um, things, things seem to be, um, you know, a hit, obviously. Um, are there patients that you're treating now that you weren't treating before, just with, these, with, the, with the new devices? I think one of the cool things, at least in the Alliance trial, is that it's really designed um, as, a, as a more comers trial, right? It's over a thousand patients, um, more than 750 in the native, you know, tri-leaflet aortic stenosis across all risk spectrums. Um, whereas the prior trials were only high-risk patients or only low-risk patients, we can really now treat patients with native um, AS across the entire spectrum of risk. And obviously it's particularly with the advantages that we've discussed really probably gonna be focused on lower, younger risk patients. There's also a dedicated 150 patient arm for bicuspid anatomies and 150 patient um, uh, registry for, for valve and valve. So it's really a most comers trial. Almost every patient will um, qualify for this. It's non-randomized. It'll be uh, compared at least in the main arm against uh, historical controls from partner two and partner three. So I think it really opens up the, the groups of patients that we can treat with this latest technology. The trials just started enrollment um, in the past several weeks, but already there's a lot of enthusiasm and folks are really excited. And with the Ableton, yeah, with the Ableton FX, I would say it's uh, similar. You know, right now it's limited market release. Uh, so not all the sites have access to it right now. And we're one of the first waves. So we've been fortunate enough to get some early experience. And I would say that, you know, as I mentioned before, the implant depth certainly I think is a big plus that you really can optimize the depth and, and know what you're getting on release in terms of conduction system risk. Uh, the device actually is now being incorporated into the SMART trial, which is the randomized control trial between, between self-expanding 
supranilaval with the Evolut platform and the Sapien 3 platform uh, in small analyte patients. So that's going to be incorporated. So I suspect that's going to be another interval uh, advantage for, for the patients being randomized uh, in this trial. But we're learning more about it and we're going to do a retrospective multicenter study on this to look at specifically the impact depth uh, based on the marker, but also the commercial alignment because which is what we really most interested in, right? And it's, uh, we're doing it in lower risk and younger patients. So we want to really uh, make sure that what we are aiming for is really what we're actually getting in, in reality. You know, one thing that occurred to me that the uh, engineers have done that I think is really cool, and, and I've certainly seen it with the X4, and I, I think Gilbert can speak to the FX as well, is that the engineers have, have done a nice job of making the procedure incredibly sort of reliable, reproducible, and comfortable for the operator. You know, you pick up an X4 and the handle feels very, very familiar to you if you've done Sapien 3s. You know, it has the same look, the same feel, the knobs are slightly different with the commissural alignment and so on, but it's really, it's a very comfortable deployment that feels um, similar. You don't have to, the balloon is now prepped, uh, the valve rather is prepped directly on the balloon, so there's one less step, but it's it's easy, it's intuitive, it's very reproducible. I think the engineers have done a great job around that. I think to further to that, I think from a training standpoint, right? I mean, I mean, you're, you're a great educator, and so are you, Isaac. The training fellows and and you know new users, I think that makes it a big difference on the from that perspective. That you know, really respective of their um, background and experience, this really allow them to get the same results. Essentially, you know, us being pretty experienced can get as well. So Gilbert, you know, you're describing the, um, the deployment. It seems like a pretty big advance for FX to be able to not move at all, right? We would always spend a, a good minute or two arguing back and forth. Well, it's gonna shift this way, it's gonna rotate this way. So what you're saying is that's essentially eliminated even in angulated, um, you know, anatomies? Well, I think there's certain anatomies that you know that are still, you know, more challenging than others, right? You know, if you have very little calcium in the leaflets, I mean, we dealt with that before that, you know, whichever valve you use can still have a risk of movement. Uh, but certainly in a standard tri-leaflet, um, we haven't done bicuspids yet, but calcified valve, really it just locked in at 80%. And, and you know, if you need to recapture, certainly you can have the liberty to do so. Uh, but yeah, if you like three and three, when it releases like three and three or three and four marginally. So it really doesn't go from three to three to let's say, you know, four and six or, or, or something that is a little bit surprising. There's really no surprises when we release the valve um, unless you have a commit a technical error. So that's what goes back to say that it's been very consistent, at least in our hands. Um, and, and again, we have fellows training as well. So they are learning how to evaluate this and do this. It's been pretty refreshing in our mind to, to see that. Yeah, that's super critical. I mean, it's it's critical in two ways. It's critical, as you said, for, for newer or lower volume um, centers to be able to, to replicate excellent results. It's also critical even at an experienced center. As you move into these, you know, younger, lower risk patients, uh, there's just no tolerance for, for things like valve embolizations, for these sort of major intra-procedural complications. This has to be an incredibly safe, reliable procedure. And again, we don't wanna be thinking about the index procedure, right? You want that almost to be an afterthought and we can move on, like we said, to focusing on these lifetime management issues, the, the you know, excellent hemodynamics, the coronary or commissural alignment, you know, these, these things that um, are more in the long-term. But to even get there, you have to have an incredibly safe, reliable, reproducible index procedure. So let's say you're uh, the head of, you know, Edwards and, and Medtronic. 
Um, and you know, you get a new job here. And so obviously you are leaving your institutions, but let's say you wanted to put one feature in the next generation of your, your valve. If you had one go-to feature that you would put in either valve, what would it be? What do you really want that you don't have right now that you still really are wishing to have in a tavern? And again, not like durability, but really like a product feature. Oh, see, I was going to go to durability. There has been some really incredible, cool work around new leaflet technologies, right? Even synthetic leaflets. And I know you guys as surgeons know, know about some of these technologies as well. But I think, um, you know, something we're still reliant on, although there are new, new um, treatments and anti-calcification um, treatments for the leaflets, it's still, it's still bovine or, or porcine tissue. And I think um, as material science advances and the ability to maybe have a prosthetic leaflet or other things like that is, is cool. And those, those um, projects are starting to enter human study, right? So I think that's an incredibly cool target. Cool. Gilbert. Moments. I think one is that, you know, there must be some way for any failed transcapital to have leaflets easily removed or managed so that you can put a new one in so we don't have to worry about coronary issues. Second is I think the stent needs to be a little more malleable such that if you put a second valve in, you're not gonna have too small a valve for the patient, right? That's one of the concerns that we have that there's a Russian doll effect. So can you design a stent frame that can stretch a little bit more, but still have enough radial force from the initial implant? And finally, third, I think for at least a taller valve with taller stent frame, you need to have open cells with alignment so that you can access the coronary more easily or even you know, preserve the ability to do do re, redo TAVR in the future more easily. I think those are some of the things that probably they can work on in my mind. All right, we're about to wrap it up. So when do you think the next generation, so X5 and FXX, like, you know, next versions will come out. Are we gonna have to wait a year, two years? Is any, any insights into? Yeah, I think on, on the balloon expandable side, we're just starting Alliance, right? So we've, we've, you know, literally only implanted a handful of cases. Now we have a whole trial to go here and approval process. So I think, I think, you know, X4 is what we're excited about for the next, say, you know, probably four or five years. Um, I'm sure there'll be other projects coming down the road, but I think this is such a big jump already from the current Sapien 3, Sapien 3 Ultra, that this is, this is going to be what we're excited about for the next uh, number of years. Yeah, I think for FX is certainly an investment over Pro Plus, but I'm, you know, Medtronic's working on other newer platforms as well, and an R&D process takes some time, as you know. So yeah, I would say agree with Tamim at least a couple of years, but you know, who knows? They may want to accelerate certain aspect of it, particularly as we know the the Evolute platform for the coronary access is still uh, yeah. perceived being a challenge, even though I might disagree with some of the the people out there. So so I think they will definitely need to want to address that sooner than later. Yeah, I think the self-expanding will, will have a newer jump since the FX is less of a big step right now that, that they'll have a new one coming. And, you know, um, everyone knows that that hopefully coronary access and a more open stent frame is, is being worked on. Um, that's something that'll be exciting. And then the other thing is there are new valve platforms coming all the time, right? We have Portico already now approved. The Navator studies are racing along. That valve has some really cool features with um, intraannular design, but still amazing uh, hemodynamics for an intraannular system, open cells. You have accurate NEO, which kind of splits the difference between self-expanding and balloon expandable, super annular, but with excellent hemodynamics and very low pacemaker rates. Um, their trials are racing along. They're adding a skirt for enhanced, both those platforms have added skirts for enhanced, uh, you know, PVL solution. 
So I think it's not just going to be these two big players, but there's the competition is chasing uh, on their heels too. Really exciting. All right. Good time to be an AS patient, right? Art? Absolutely. Thanks so much guys uh, for being here and, and giving us your expert opinions here. Um, it's always a pleasure talking to everyone. We're going to wrap it up. Thanks for letting me hang out with a couple of surgeons. I feel a lot cooler than I am now. Thank you. All right. Take care, guys. Be well.